Hello and welcome to the latest edition of From the Rookery. And my name is not John, my name is not Mike. Unfortunately, both unavailable due to due to the christening of John's daughter today. But I am joined by one of the legendary trio in the uh, shape of Jason. Uh, good evening. And fresh from his appearance at the latest Tales from the Vicarage event, Colin. Good evening. Of course, my name is Kieran. Chaps, we've stopped the rot. Three games without a win. We then go and get a 2-0 win at Vicarage Road against West Ham. Goals from Will Hughes and Richarlison. Jace, that was fun, wasn't it? I, it, it was. It was in a, in a scary kind of way. It, it was when we went 1-0 up. We went 1-0 up after not much had happened. It took, it took about 10 minutes for, for the first chance. And all of a sudden we're winning a game that it looked like it was going to finish 0-0. And... Uh, and immediately I was getting, then getting worried. I was like, oh, God, we've got to hang on. <laughs> Knowing what had gone before, losing games from winning positions. Um, even at 2-0, I was, I was slightly worried. But the longer the game went on, I think we all started to realise how poor West Ham were. Um, and in the end, it was a stroll, really, wasn't it? It was. Colin, when you come up against a team who have got a new manager in place, sometimes you're a little bit cautious, you're a little bit concerned that they might be looking to impress him. They did not, did they? It was pretty much comfortable for Watford from start to finish. Um, Well, as a fan, I never feel comfortable. But yes, I I thought they did try to impress him and the way they tried to impress him was showing a certain amount of aggression on the pitch. They were very, very physical. You could argue that they were crossing the, the, the line for a fair amount. And the referee was quite lenient with them. Carroll basically elbowed Marvin Ziegler in the face after about 10 seconds. And I thought, welcome to the Premier League. You know, we were also a bit surprised by that uh, selection and not Holobas to to give him a chance. It it didn't look like Holobas was injured or anything. It was just a straight swap and put the new lad on. And he started quite slowly in the game, but he came into the game later. We'll talk about that maybe a bit later. But they were very, very physical. They were were snapping away. And and in the past, I've seen Watford teams slightly wilt under that kind of bullying. But in this instance that didn't happen and they kept getting up shrugging themselves off and saying right let's just go again we're better than this lot we've got better players we're more skillful we're more cohesive we'll pass the ball we'll keep the ball but West Ham did have their moments they had periods when when they were on the ball a lot and we were having to defend and keep our shape but we we did everything that we needed to do and the second goal really killed it off I thought. Tyler mentioned there Marvin Zegelar getting his first start for the club a bit of a surprise not to see Holovas in as he said Elbow in the face from Andy Carroll in the first 10 seconds. How did he match up to that West Ham team? They seemed to target him early on, but he, he did OK, didn't he? I think he did very well. And I'm wondering if he was in the team because of the physicality of West Ham, because they got two big guys up front in Carroll and Arnautovic, um, and him up against the big lads rather than little old Jose, uh, who, not just the sort of physical presence, but... We know how easily wound up Holobas could get and, and you could see he could end up being a, a walking red card almost. So I wonder if that's why the change was there. I thought he did very well. Um, and in fact, he, not so much the, the defensive side, but the attacking qualities that he showed meant they had to, to worry about him rather than him worrying about their attacking play. And it was his ball that set Richarlison off for that first goal. Yeah, it was. And he... Had to change his shirt, I think, three times during the game after. He broke nose, I think, was it? I liked him in the second half. I thought he got more confident as it, as it went on and he started to come further up the pitch. Um, perhaps that was Marco encouraging him to do so, which meant that Richarlison could come in and play in a kind of inside left position, which they didn't really have a plan for West Ham. And he was getting the ball in very dangerous positions. And also Ziegler was there, available to lay the ball off. And I thought he got grew in confidence uh, and he did an incredible trap in midair 
right at the end, Ziegler. The ball came over. Everyone, the West Ham players all turned away thinking that's a throw-in. And he sort of leapt in the air, caught it with his left foot. Not only that, brought it down and was in, you know, running towards the box before they all woke up and had to come across and try and stop him. So, I th- yeah, I think he did very well. I thought Will Hughes also was... Uh, was excellent. Well, Maybe we'll talk about him, yeah. I was just going to say, we were saying Zegler did very well. Will Hughes was another one who really stood out today. Was this an indication and a performance that showed why Watford were willing to spend the money that they did? Obviously, came at a bit of a bargain, but a lot of clubs have touted Will Hughes, bigger clubs than ourselves. None of them were willing to take a chance on him. We have. He's had to be patient and, and wait for his opportunity. But today, he showed what class he's got, didn't he? Absolutely, and I, I was asked sort of how he got on um, after the, the Stoke game, which was an impossible job for him. He came on last 10 minutes, was just sort of crowded out, bullied. And you wonder if, again, with the sort of physicality of West Ham, could he get bullied up front again today? But no, he, he found loads of space as well. Um, and we sort of talked about this sort of before the podcast, didn't we, Kieran? That little triangle um, of Cleverly Hughes and Firmino down the right-hand side was was fantastic. We were just sort of gently sort of probing our way forwards through the West Ham defence down that right-hand side and we got a lot of joy out of that down that, yeah, down that side. I, I agree with that. And I think one of the interesting things about Hughes, and this is the first time I've seen him over a, you know, over a long period because I didn't go to the Everton game, he's a bit different from the other players in the side. He's a bit more like Pereira in that he tends to sort of seem to drift past players. He's quite light, he's not physically very sort of commanding, but he seems to get, with his, when he's side on with a, with a defender, he can drift past them, he's got great feet. I mean, some of his little layoffs to Firminia and, and back inside, and they really couldn't handle him at times. They didn't know what he was going to do. So they're standing close to him, but they're not willing to put a foot in because they're, they're worried about his trickery. I thought he, yeah, there's no doubt now, I would say, that he is a Premier League player. He has the, he, he has the potential to go on and be a very good Premier League player, but there's, I think that question is, uh, is, is done with. Scintillating is how I just heard someone describe his performance, and I, I would find it difficult to disagree with that. But we look at the, the performance today, and, and I heard someone saying this is a performance without Prodal, without Dini, without Chalabar, a number of players missing. Korea obviously was away with Peru and, and will be playing at the World Cup next year after their qualifiers. This is a squad that now has options, isn't it? And you said it before the game. You said, Kieran, look at that bench. And we were able to bring on Pereira. Obviously, Firmenia went off with a bit of an injury at the end. And we've got Holobas on. There were players like Janmat that wasn't even available today. So that that is showing not only the quality that we've got in that 11, but there is players pushing for places as well, aren't there? Yeah, I mean, and he didn't even make any subs till sort of late on, did he? So, and he showed that the 11 players that were out there, that he could trust them. They were doing the job. Obviously, as, as the game wears on, legs are going to start to get tired. But he didn't seem, Silver didn't seem too worried about that. Um, and especially when you when you look at the players on the pitch, I sort of looked out there and sort of thought, well, if the, if we do concede a goal, uh, who are the leaders? Who's going to corral the team and make sure they stay solid? And I again, sort of a bit worried that if we conceded, we could collapse again. But to a man, they were they were awesome. They were outstanding. And then, yeah, when you can bring players like Pereira and sort of Holobas on to just sort of tidy things up and, and secure the three points and you're laughing aren't you absolutely and and we can't talk about the when we've talked about some of the the players going forward Jarelio Gomez obviously went off injured in the Everton game we were two 0 up. we know what happened in that one but it may have been a different story if he hadn't stood up big towards the end of that first half wasn't it first from first from Coyote and then from the double save from Anatovic I think it might have been a third save in there when he's caught the ball as Anatovic has gone to get the rebound 
that was a big play from Gomez, wasn't it? Absolutely massive, and I couldn't be more delighted for him. I, I think that he has struggled in his career from his time at, um, at Spurs with this idea that, oh, he's always got um, a mistake in him and you know he's, he's got a ricket round the corner. And, and actually, here on the telly today, he showed what a brilliant goalkeeper he is and what a brilliant goalkeeper he's been for us over the last four years. And he, I thought he led the team today as well. He was out there, he was yelling at them, and uh, but he made those key saves, and that's brilliant for his confidence. And it's brilliant for the defence. They just they can really trust him. But there was also an incredible clearance right at the end as well, which I think was from Mariapa, where he sort of he did another one of his specials off the line. And uh, there seems to be a really positive spirit in that in that defence. I mean, they are they are not without their vulnerabilities, but. They, don't, they do seem to be really fighting for each other. And I, it was great to see Gomez give such a brilliant performance on his return. And also, he can. I mean, I saw, the, I saw him before the game because he came over to hand his T-shirt to some kid. I mean, the scar on his eye is it's quite swollen. I mean, it's quite brave to get back out there and chuck himself at the feet of these massive West Ham forwards. So, yeah, I couldn't be more pleased for him. And he was, he was terrific. But I do think that the, the bedrock of the performance... And I know that we talk about him an awful lot, but the bedrock of Watford's performance was, was the call ray again. It's the calmness, the, the awareness, the, his positioning when he gets the ball, where he knows where everyone is, the short passes, the long passes. I mean, the fellow is terrific, he really is. And it, it leads to everything else that we've already talked about, is him and what he can do for this team. And, uh, and the other person I thought was uh, good today, maybe, or maybe you want to talk about him, Jason. I just thought Andre Gray put in a good performance today. I think he's finding his feet in the side. What do you think? Yeah, I think there was a, a lot more fight about him today, I think, as well. A, a difficult situation for him to come into again on his own uh, up front. But he, I think he won a lot more of the sort of long balls up to him than uh, maybe he previously had done. And yeah, he's putting in a shift, he's working hard. And, and the fact that you've got it's the two sort of wide players that have, have come in and, and scored the goals. And you've got to think of Andre Gray's role in that, the, the way he's sort of moving about the pitch, dragging the defenders to create the space for the other players. Turns out the, the, the Will Hughes goals was because I think he, he miskicked his, uh, his original shot and it ended up with Hughes. Bill claimed that assist, that'll give him a bit of confidence, surely. Absolutely. I, I guess it's a question for both of you. We're going to talk about Marco Silva and, and the situation around the club uh, shortly, but was the performance today all the more impressive considering the headlines that the players will have had to have read, the questions that are, are surrounding his future at the moment? Everything around the club suggests that you know he's unsure as to whether he's going to be here. Obviously, the interest from Everton we're going to talk about shortly, but was the performance all the more impressive because of what the club has had to go through this week with the headlines and the talk that's been going on? Yes, I, I think it probably it probably was. I think the preparation must have been more difficult this week than than pre, in previous weeks, particularly on the back of, of three defeats uh, and then this speculation. We can we can talk about it as you say in a, in a bit. I thought once the game started, I thought all that gets forgotten because they're being thumped, they're being run into and, and pushed and shoved and kicked, and then they then it, the the spirit of the side, the squad comes off the training ground. They all come together and they they fight back against. It. It's really really trying to bully them physically on the pitch, and so that's impressive in itself. Uh, but yes, I, I guess you could, there could have been more cracks in the in the unity because of what's been happening, doubts about whether he's going to be here or not here and who is coming in or who might come in or what's, you know, is Gino in a foul mood stomping about the training ground? You know, what's, what is the atmosphere like? We don't know. The, the, the press conference really didn't answer any questions. It posed more questions than it answered. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree it was impressive. The players are sort of well-trained in 
in media. So whilst they won't hide from it, they'll see it. And as well as dealing with the questions themselves, they will sort of, I'm sure they'll be trained how to react to these things, how to always take these things with a pinch of salt and try and focus on what's important for them, for the match day, for their own performances, for the team performance. But they're human beings. So you, there's always that possibility that something, especially with the young lads like Richarlison, who's got the, not just this, but the added coverage that he's getting, the suggestion that Spurs are going to come in with a massive bid for him in, in, the, in the January transfer window. So very easy for a young lad, lad like him to have his head turned, his uh, emotions affected and to affect the performance on the pitch. Last one on the game. Do you think Andy Carroll will be getting many Christmas cards this December? Oh, I love Andy Carroll. <laughs> I can't help myself. When he plays for England, when he pulls on an England shirt, I just root for him because he plays, in a, he's a very, very wholehearted sort of lad. And actually, I don't think he's, he's a particularly malicious or dirty player, but he, is, he does use his physical size. No, he probably won't be getting many Christmas cards from Watford fans or from West Ham. Or West Ham, judging from the chance that were aimed in his direction. Yeah, I think he, you know, if, if you're taken off because the manager thinks you're about to be sent off, you're letting your team down. And actually, once he went off, they looked even less threatening. They, they, they didn't bring on a player that changed the game. I mean, they just took him off because they wanted to protect him for the next game, presumably. And that, that's not good. A podcast made by Watford fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. Well, we've spoken about the game. We're going to have a chat about Marco Silva shortly, but we, of course, have to give our most opinionated member of From the Rookery End his moment of glory. As we know, Mike's surname is Parkin. He has a son named Arlo, and this is a segment that we like to call Michael Parkin's son. It gives me great pleasure to welcome once again to Michael Parkinson. Arlo, Arlo, how are you doing? Uh... Good, yeah. Good, yeah. Okay, glad, glad, glad we got there in the end, mate. Okay, so now you may or may not have known that yeah. there's some news about maybe Marco Silva, the manager, wanting to leave to go to Everton. What do you think about that? I don't think he should go back to Everton. Why not? I'm not sure. You just don't want him to go? No. Now, it just got me thinking, mate. Now, you obviously you've got school tomorrow, but how would you feel if in the middle of the, the, the term your teacher just left, like Marco Silva wants to leave in the middle of the season? How would you feel if a teacher left? I just feel like they're being really stupid. I know it sounds harsh, but she didn't, like, tell us, so it is kind of stupid. Okay, well, that kind of makes sense, mate. Thanks very much for joining us. Bye-bye. You, Lika, la-la-la. We're the Orns. You're the Orns. So chaps, Watford Football Club have probably had more headlines this week than I've seen probably in the last few months based on the, uh, the, the uncertainty, can we say, surrounding the future of Marco Silva. Everton have, we believe, had two approaches rebuffed from the club. Uh, they've stood very firm. They've said that they will not entertain any uh, approach from any club. But the, the questions remain because, as Colin mentioned earlier, we saw the press conference ahead of the West Ham game and it probably raised more questions than it did answers. Jace, what have you made of the speculation surrounding Marco Silva in the lead-up to this game? I, it's, it's all a bit of a mess, <laughs> if you ask me. I, even today, you look on social media and you've got Sky sources saying, oh, we're definitely not going to accept a bid for him. And then you got someone else saying, "Oh yeah, I know someone who says it's a done deal and it, and it's uh, it's going to happen." So, yeah, what 
<laughs> how how do you digest as a Watford fan when you you sort of got it one end to the other sort of it's going to happen it's definitely happening oh no it's definitely not happening something I've been doing which is a bit sad but uh, I've been sort of checking the odds every so often on the uh, the next permanent manager odds and in the last sort of couple of weeks he's, it has been all over the place and he's sort of settled down to a, a two horse race between Unsworth and Silver Silver's pretty much been ahead of the game uh, on that front with Unsworth just being the shorter edge for a little time I think at some point earlier in the week but I, 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 that, that's what it's come to I, there's so much out there and I really really don't know what the, the correct information is that I'm using the betting odds as to what I think is actually going to happen Colin I watched the Sunday supplement and I watched match of the day two extra today and some of the questions that were raised about Marco Silva were is he actually worthy of the attention and the status that he's got at the moment? Because he does seem to be the overwhelming favourite to be the to be the next Everton manager. Everton are, OK, they've had a dry spell in terms of trophies, but they are a huge club. But some of the questions are, is Silver actually worthy of the reputation and the standing that he has at the moment? I think to answer that question, you've got to ask who else is there really knocking around at the moment. And he his light is definitely rising, his star is rising because of... The way people talked about Hull last season, once he came in, okay, they got relegated, but they talked about him in a very positive way, and his players equally talked about him in a very positive way, as our players are. Cabaselli came out this week, so we've got to do everything we can to keep Marco Silva. Dini's been very positive about him, so it's changed the culture of the club since he's come in. So the answer to the question is no, in that he hasn't really achieved anything, but his reputation for how he organises his squad... Is, uh, is a good one and that's, and that's why someone like Everton are interested because otherwise who are they going to go for they're going to go for an Allardyce they might possibly <laughs> they might possibly go for Pulis by the end of the week or they go for Sean Dyche what they're looking at really is trying to buy a manager so they talk about compensation package it's not that it's a transfer they're looking to buy a manager in the way that you would buy a player so that they know they're going to have to bid 8 million, 10 million maybe the pot says we'll take 15 million for him if he wants to go if he says I wouldn't mind I'd like to talk to them go alright well 15 million seems like a, like, a, like a reasonable money we've got, we've got a plan in place for, for when you go if it happens now or it happens in the summer or it happens in the summer after that we know what we're going to do because we're the Pozzo family we know how to run a football club so that performance as, as, as you asked earlier it proves to me that we're fine that we'll be fine as a club if he stays if he goes they'll have a plan but whether or not he's really got, I think it's a risk for him. And I think it would be a crazy thing for him to do after 12 games. It affects the, the way people will think about him, that he's just looking for the next big job, the, the most money he can get. But the real risk is he goes to Everton, which is not run by someone like Gene Watso. He's run by a very wealthy man, and he's got Ken right there, who is very experienced. But it's not run in the same way our club is. They've got lots of very young players, really young, like you know, lots of Richarlison's, 20-year-olds, and then they've got quite a lot of players who are really sort of beyond their peak. Now, if he can really go in and, and make a difference, fine. But if he doesn't, and it comes to February or March, and they're in the bottom six, and he gets the bullet, then where's his career then? What's he going to do then? He would be far better off, in my opinion, to stay here for two seasons and then see... Uh, what even clubs that are even bigger than Everton whether they're interested in him because then he'll have a track record at the moment he's got no real track record he's got lots of potential people talk very positively about him but he hasn't achieved anything and I, th I personally think he'd be mad to leave 
I've seen reaction on social media to it and it seems quite mixed. There's, there's a few people who are saying that we need to do everything that we can to try and keep him. There are other people that are saying if he doesn't want to be here, let him go. I think Colin picked up a really good point there. Whether he stays or whether he goes, you look at this football club now and, I, and we were talking about it. I don't come to Vicarage Road as much as, as I used to. I look around and I look at the infrastructure and I look at that squad that was available today and the players that were, weren't available today. Silver here, silver not, we're in a good place and the Pozzos will all, almost certainly be planning for his exit if it comes that way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We know we've got the, the model in place. We've had we've had bigger turmoil than this. When uh, the, the season we got from, from the Championship, we know we went through four managers in, in, in about a month and because everyone keeps telling us about it every five <laughs> minutes. So, so yeah, we, we know we won't have a problem if he goes. Um, the, the fear from the... Uh, Colin spoke about the, the reputation and that, yeah, absolutely something I agree with. Silver's reputation could be in trouble if he's sort of hopping from club to club every every six months. What does that do for our reputation as well? That's that's probably the, the biggest fear from this is if he wants to go after 12 games, what does that tell other head coaches, other potential players about the way Watford is run? We we can see it's, it's good as far as we're concerned, but does that put questions about what's happening on the inside, things we don't know about, that people are going, then, oh, oh yeah, if, if he wants to go after 12 games, I, I'm not sure I really want to go. Yeah, I mean, this there was an interesting conversation that took place in public between uh, Marco on the one hand and Gino, who was completely silent in response. But at the end of the transfer window, he came out and he was quite critical, wasn't he? And I think that the, the job of head coach, and it's been clearly described by uh, Duxbury about how the club is run. The person is brought in to coach the first team and produce that team at the best and the rest of it is not is not really their concern. We can't have him doing scouting and scouting reports and that we'll, we'll do that. You coach the first team. Now some coaches want more control than that and, and maybe Marco is one of them and maybe he would get that at a club like Everton because they don't have the same structure that we have. So it's difficult to know because the job of head coach has changed so much, even in the last four or five years. You know, we'll never see another Arsene Wenger. We'll never see another Ferguson. They come, they know the job is insecure. They know if they lose a few games, they'll be under pressure. If they win a few games or they do well, then they'll, they'll be under pressure in a different way because people will be coming to get them. So the job has changed and there's no security in the job. And so they're starting to act as if there is no security. So someone comes in and says, I'll triple your wages. Are you interested? I'm interested because I don't know where I might be in a year this lot might get rid of me or I might I might go to Tottenham I might go to Arsenal but you know who knows so I can sort of see it from his point of view of course it's a very insecure job there's no asset in your head coach they're not worth any money to the club although <laughs> now it looks like he might be but only because he's under contract the asset is the players and being in the Premier League is, is the major asset that's where the money is so you, owners of clubs will do everything to make sure that you keep your players put them on five, six year contracts because that's where you know, they're worth money the coaches aren't really worth money they're worth a lot to the club in other ways in terms of motivation and tactics and so on but once that starts to fade quick, just get another one in see what, he, see what he can do and if that doesn't work we'll get another one in and all the clubs are doing it it's not just us because the job has changed Jay, should the transfer window apply to managers as well obviously we haven't asked for this disruption we haven't asked for the approach from Everton we've spoken about how it might have impacted today's performance if the speculation rumbles on into next week in the lead up to Newcastle game potentially it disrupts preparation for that one as well I've seen a few people suggest that maybe a transfer window for managers should apply in the same way it does for players interesting your view on that one yeah it's, it's tricky it's obviously something that's, that's been at the, the forefront of our minds I'm I just wonder if it's difficult because it's it's a single 
single person. And if circumstances might mean you lose your manager, not just because someone can come in and take your manager away. If, let's look at the Oscar Garcia situation that we had, for example, where he was ill and had to sort of resign on that basis. Where would we go then? We'd have to go for perhaps a... Well, I suppose you, you have to go for a temporary manager then, don't you, for however long until the next transfer window if you want to then take someone who's not another club. Uh, maybe a weak argument, I don't know, but it, it still doesn't quite feel right. It just seems that we're talking about it now just because this is happening to us. We didn't seem too bothered about it for the last God knows how many seasons because no one's ever nicked our manager mid-season. Yeah. All of a sudden, Watford fans are talking about that this should be in place. So I'm trying to sort of think on a, from the balanced viewpoint it doesn't seem to be that big of an issue and we're just talking about it because we've been affected by but it. But maybe we're the only ones that are seeing it because it's talking about our club. There may well be other fans talking about it and we don't see it because the majority of the people that you speak to will be Watford fans. The majority of people that you follow on social media will probably be Watford fans as well. One of the things that I said in our WhatsApp group was what if there was a rule brought in, and this is obviously all hypothetical of course, where similar to players who are in the final year of their contract, they can go and discuss moves of other clubs and can move for free at the end of that contract. What if there was a rule in place, for example, where during the first year of your contract, you cannot be approached by another club? And that could apply to players as well. I mean, we've got a situation not just where our manager is, is clearly in demand. There are now reports of Richarlison being linked to clubs like Tottenham and Chelsea. And this is what, 11, 12 games into his Watford career again, regardless of whether he goes or not, his head is going to be turned by that. He's 20 years old. He's come over to the Premier League from Brazil. That's frustrating as well, isn't it? Yeah, I know that that does sound like a good rule. I like that one. <laughs> um, and I, I know You'd have to really think about it. I think it'd have to be a situation where players would have to be playing a certain percentage of game time to... Uh, to then say, yeah, you can't approach them. If you've got someone who's sort of freshening in the reserves, let's say someone wanted to approach Bryce Dejeje, for example, um, the club then not been allowed to sell him in his first year when he's sort of been kicking back doing nothing uh, would would seem unfair. So, yeah, I I like I like that suggestion, but I think it, yeah, it, it's something that needs a lot of thought, just like the the head coach slash manager one. There are rules in place, and they're just never enforced. We now know that Tottenham would like to buy Richarlison in January. We also know that they're happy to give us Nkudu and Onomar as mate weights in the deal. I wonder how they feel reading that in the paper. Oh, right, well, so we're not needed here. We're, we're going to Watford, are we? I mean, it, it's insane that these stories, they come from somewhere. They come from somewhere within Tottenham. And they're spread out as a way of softening up a player, softening up a club. We are a smaller club. We've got some good assets now, which we haven't had previously in the last two and a half seasons assets that other people would like and, and Tottenham will act like well we're just going to go we'll have Richarlison we'll give you this much we'll have him we want him we need someone on the left wing and, and, but there are rules to stop that from happening and they're not enforced they should be stopped they should be fined and, you know happened with Liverpool and Southampton Southampton complained straight away to the Premier League and Liverpool backed off really fast because they knew they were in breach of the rules in this instance it's only just started with Richarlison but my god I mean the poor lad is going to have his head turned every every single week if he carries on playing the way he's playing his head will be spinning around because every club in the country and also in Europe will, uh, are going to going to want him so it is difficult I think with managers it, it, it's different and I do think that 
a lot of fans are very upset with Marco for not coming out in his press conference and saying, I am not leaving Watford. I am committed to the project. I want to stay at this club. I am not going to Everton. Please leave me alone. Now, he didn't say that, but it's totally unrealistic that anyone would say that because he's a human being. He's also in the middle of his career. He's a young man. He's being offered money. He's being offered a big club. He's ambitious. Of course, he's not going to rule it out. It would be foolish, and fans have to understand that. They're, they're, these are people with careers. They're not... The idea that it's Roy of the Rovers and he's come here to, you know, to take us into Europe and, you know, and beyond, it's nonsense, that. I mean, of course he's going to be careful, and so is Gino. Gino must have coached him for that, me, that media uh, press conference. He must have said, I want you to say this, I don't want you to say that. And part of that is, I don't want you to rule it out completely because we're not sure, you and I, whether we are ruling it out. And if you rule it out and then go, we all look stupid. So just try and avoid it, and same as Dice has done it, he's also played the same game. Whether or not you can hold people in employment for, for the first year of their contract and, and say, no, you cannot approach them, I'm not sure that's legal and someone would probably challenge that because under employment law you are entitled to approach people. It's not illegal to say, would you like to come and work for us instead of these people? And that person is entitled to say, yes, I would, I would quite like to. And, and the contract you know, won't hold as long as there's a, a compensation package, if you want. So I'm not sure that would work. I think for young players, there needs to be... I think there does need to be something which is much stronger. So someone like Richarlison comes to Watford and he knows for a year, a year is probably the right amount, that he cannot be approached. And at the end of that year, he's still got four years on his contract and if people want to say, we'd quite like, then that's okay. But to unsettle the lad after 12 games seems wrong to me. It really does. Absolutely. Of course, the last manager who said he was going to stay and ended up leaving was, uh, was Brendan Rodgers. So maybe Marcus Silva's taken some advice from someone else. about this all day there's, uh, there's surely it's going to be some news over the coming days hopefully this is resolved by the time we play Newcastle and Newcastle is of course our next game Jace away from home last time we went to St James's Park we got a nice 2-1 win up there I think Daryl Yamat might have scored for Newcastle on yes. that day I think Igalo got a double for us on that day what do we expect from that one Rafa Benitez is I think they've kind of overachieved a little bit this season so far they're, they're doing alright and probably better than some people expected I think so yeah we, we sort of talked about Marco maybe making noises about our transfer window in the summer. I think Rafa had a lot to say about Newcastle's transfer window. Yeah, he's still still got them playing. I don't know if that was his method of motivation, but they've been doing all right. They've had a tricky spell recently, a bit like us. Obviously, we're now come out in the back of it. They had a, a difficult game at, at Man United uh, yesterday. Scored, which is more than a lot of teams do at Old Trafford, but in the end, just uh, it, yeah, they got a bit overwhelmed. I think so. They'll be they'll be bouncing to come back. We know how vociferous the uh, the Newcastle fans are. They'll be well behind the team. They'll certainly be looking this as, uh, looking at it as an opportunity for three points. As we've already said, we don't know. We, there could be a lot of disruption going on. We might not have a manager. All this whole Everton story might still be going on and on and on and on. Um, so whichever way, it's going to be a tricky game for us. It's going to be a tricky game, but we're good away from home, aren't we, Colin? We've seen some really positive performances away from Vicarage Road. And would you be confident that we can possibly repeat that at Newcastle next week? I don't see any reason why not. I think I think our players, pound for pound, are better than theirs. But you know, they are they are performing well, and they they're very well organised. And that's Rafa. Rafa does that. He knows how to get a squad of players and get them to be greater than the sum of the parts. So it will be a really tough game up there, I think. Be happy with a point. Be happy with a point, as always. But I do think we. Um, 
the second half of, of this podcast, we have concentrated on things that are slightly, not negative, but some things that we're thinking about. We shouldn't forget that we had a great performance today and we got three points. And what that does, crucially, is if you look at the way the table is developing, is it keeps us in that top pack. OK, there's the top six, forget about them. But then there's, there's Burnley, Newcastle, us, maybe Brighton. And then there's a lot of other teams that are now... What, what, what sort of five, six, seven points less than us who are in a, in a battle down the bottom. And we're keeping ourselves away from that. And that's why today's result was really important. I think if we hadn't won today, I think we would have been seven points behind that top eight. So it was really, really crucial to get that win, wasn't it, Jason? And to keep that momentum going. And I guess now we've stopped the rot, as we've already mentioned, ended that free game, winless run. Newcastle is a good opportunity to build and, and maybe try and get a winning run put together. Absolutely. We we know we've got some tricky fixtures on the horizon as well, but we know we've got it within our teams to put these runs together. And, and you're right, there's a few teams maybe sort of gathering around about us. Burnley have sort of managed to keep their run going and they've pushed on. The likes of Huddersfield as well in there that sort of keep surprising people, didn't have a great result, but yeah, they've, they've got it within themselves to keep battling away. So yeah, to just get away from them, we get a run together... Uh, Christmas, obviously, December is a very, very busy time. There's a lot of games to be played. I think we've got a couple of midweek games coming up. Then you've got that whole sort of Christmas period where we've got a good local derby against Leicester on Boxing Day. Um, the games come thick and fast. So another positive from today, a lot of changes out there. It shows that we can mix and match the team around. We're going to need to do that over the December period. So if we want to get that winning run going, we're going to need to play a lot of players, make good use of our squad. And we've seen that they can all come in and do that. This is going to be the test now, isn't it, Colin, this period coming up? I think I saw a journalist who was quite happy that the international break was over. I think there's only been 11 games up until this This was our 12th and we are coming towards the what middle mid-end of November. I think there's something like nine games over the Christmas New Year period. We've spoken about options off the bench. We've spoken about the quality in the squad. This is where it's going to be truly tested, isn't it? It totally is, but I have to refer back to what you said earlier. You, you guys looking at the bench today... And it looked a very, very strong bench. And, that's, and there were players not on that bench who were all equally first-team players. So it does look, even without, um, you know, without Kabul, without Cathcart, we, hopefully Proddle is on his way back and Pereira's back. And we can, we can, we've got maybe 18, 19 players that we can, we can draw on for all these games that we're going to have to play. It's going to be very difficult. It is. I mean, it's a difficult time. If we can get through the Christmas period without too many injuries and pick up enough points, then we can look forward to the second half of the season with a bit of optimism. Because I think the players we've got and the squad we've got, and also this, this unity, and I know I talk about it all the time, you know, we haven't seen that with a young squad of players like that and they really, really fight for each other and play for each other and they seem to have almost uh, at times kind of telepathic understanding of where the other player is, little flicks, little short passes that get us out of trouble and take the pressure off us and I think if we can continue uh, to play that way I think we're going we're gonna to have a very good season. Chaps, we'll round it up. Final question, will Marco Silva be in charge in, and in the dugout for Newcastle next week, Jace? <laughs> Look, if Marco can't commit and Gina can't commit, I can't believe you're asking me, yes he will. Colin? Yeah, he will. Brilliant. Thank you very much, chaps. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of From the Rookery End. It'll be back to normal duties with John and Mike back on the mic next week. Thank you very much.